This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. An unlikely friendship begins in the Paramount Plus original movie, Little Wing, starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Reeling from her parents' divorce, Caitlin steals a valuable bird to save her home, but instead forms a bond with the owner, leading to a new outlook on life. Little Wing, now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus. Head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Rated PG 13. right into it we're not going to waste your time we're talking about dc fandom the event just ended myself senior entertainment reporter for the observer eric italiano senior editor for bro bible we're going to break it all down we're going to start with the batman hit wonder woman 1984 talk about some suicide squad talk about some black adam and then finish up with snyder cut you can fast forward at any point you want but just right off the bat first full trailer of the batman despite the fact that they've only shot 25% of the film. Eric, I already know the answer to this question, but are you more excited, less excited, or unchanged about the upcoming movie? I didn't think that I could be more pumped than I was, but this trailer absolutely sent my hype to a completely new like status because I, and I'm still not a huge fan of the suit. I just want to get, get that out there real quick. I like the way it looks in part, but the, like the collar, It's not great. The way his eyes look aren't great. But outside of that, in terms of, and I say this, I said this on on our past Bat Bat Flag pod. The key here is that this is the first real Batman Batman film that we're getting in the post MCU world. You know, like the Dark Dark Knight Rises came out in 2012, which was the same year as uh, Avengers. So. It wasn't sort of as commonplace as it is now. The way to do things and the way not to do things uh, and as successful as you could be doing those things weren't really defined yet. So this is the first time what I'm trying to say is that we're getting a modern Batman. And in terms of what they just showed us in both vibe uh, and tone and uh, actual adaptation of a Batman story. that a lot of your criteria, I can tell. What? It's hitting a lot of your criteria. I right. Know. Well, because well, because what I want to see is what I'm hoping for is a fleshed out, you know, three film arc. And you and I said it in a text that how deeply Matt Reeves clearly understands Batman is incredible. So and the I'm fact that, that was evident by what he was talking about in DC fandom before he debuted the trailer, his depth of knowledge is just whew. right. So the fact that he seems determined on telling the beginnings of all of these stories and then we're getting to see that unfold over the course of seven, eight years to me is very exciting. Um, Oh, and then the point was that, so they're giving us a Batman story that it looks like we haven't seen. We saw in Batman Begins kinda, but then Nolan's franchise sort of leaned towards like a crime drama with Batman, not so much a Batman film that involves crime crime drama. This looks like a full-out Batman film. 
period, the end, in both fight scenes and like plot. So for me, that was a 10 out of 10. You're becoming quite a celebrity. Why is he writing to you? If you are justice, please do not lie. What is the price for your blind eye? The hell are you supposed to be? grade after everything we just saw and getting pleasantly surprised that there was a full-length trailer this early in production. Now for me, you will have to excuse the first reaction hyperbole, but that trailer totally reminded me of David Fincher's Seven. And it's got this film noir-esque slant. It's a stylish crime drama with a real psychological beat. Matt Reeves has stressed Batman's detective skills as a priority in past public comments. I think we're going to see that here, tying into this detective noirish story. You're seeing a reimagining of the character that reminds me a little bit of how Casino Royale and Daniel Craig made the Debonair 007 into a bulldozer of a man. And that's not necessarily what they're going for here with Pattinson's Batman, but he's clearly a kind of fresh variation of what we've seen before which I absolutely loved. Now, my question for you, though, this arrives after confirmed news that Ben Affleck's returning as Batman in The Flash alongside Michael Keaton's Batman. Does the fact that there's so many blockbuster, big-screen Batman going on right now impact your hype levels for this movie at all, or could it not matter any less? No, at this point, it does not matter. Uh, what we just saw, to me, and... It, it, it's it's what they should have gave us the first time with Ben. This is a fulfillment of the promise that we thought we we were getting the first time. Uh, you know, back then it was it was uh, you know Ben is older, so it wouldn't have been the same sort of take. But the idea was what I was pumped for back then was the idea of an actual lived-in Batman world, whereas Gotham felt in uh, you know the Nolan films felt very much like the real world. It didn't feel like Gotham City with all of its various characters and villains floating around and popping up. and oh, Like Pittsburgh and Chicago, where it was filmed. Right, exactly. This time, and this is what I've been wanting to see, is it feels like Gotham is a lived-in, breathing place. These characters are real people that have existed there for years. To your point, we already have branded gangsters, you know, the ones with the face makeup and everything. There's already this subculture of eccentric violence sprouting in right, that region. Right. So I think that, uh, and again, as I've said on this pod before, Batman is their cash cow. So if you're both a fan and Warner Bros., there is no such thing as too much Bat Batman, especially when this new one looks like it could be the best take on the character potentially ever. Like if you were to remove Heath Ledger's Joker from The Dark Knight, I'm not sure that we look at that film in, in the same way. So in that sense, I think that this, in, in telling a Batman story, 
could turn into being the story and the take. There are so many Batman coming up that I do understand why some people have complained a little bit about it on Twitter and online. To me, it's a slightly different scenario because the other two Batman, Ben Affleck and Michael Keaton, have such rich and compelling uh, contextual backgrounds related to their return to the role. It's not like they're just introducing a new version of Batman with, with no hype or no pre-existing audience connection. If they were doing that, I, I would be less excited for this Batman because I would just say, hey, this is oversaturating the market. But because there are special, unique circumstances applying to all of them, I, I find it a really exciting time. And I do know that the characters are already very well represented across mediums. But when you can do something special and different like this, I do think it adds uh, an added value to it and makes it unique towards other things we com in comparison to other things we see. But while watching the trailer, I felt like there were a few clear homages and inspirations and references. Did you catch anything of note that you thought was really interesting and in what Reeves was trying to do? That's a loaded one because I think more telling than the trailer itself was what Reeves said prior. He really went in depth and I think D DC fandom, unless they cut it into like a video and put it online, I'm not sure how to really find that. But as you said, Reeves's depth of knowledge uh, stuck out the most to me. And he put in a quote, he, he said a quote that said, and this to me boils down why I love the character so much. He said that Batman's superpower is his ability to endure. And you couldn't, as a Batman fan, you couldn't ask for a better one-sentence uh, blurb on who Batman is. And that's it right there. So that, to me, tells me that he understands. Whereas, you know, Nolan understood film and drama, and all that's great, and I love him, and I love those films. Reeves seems to have a deeper understanding of the Batman character and the world that he lives in. And I think that that was uh, shown both, uh, you know, what he said prior to the trailer drop and the trailer itself in the sense that he's telling a year two story. He's not really going to cut corners and just be like, Joker's here. He has to build this from the floor up. You know what I mean? He's not just going to pull out the Joker card first thing. It would shock me. It's a grounded yet stylistic world that kind of revels in the comic book flair, whereas Christopher Nolan wanted to kind of erase all of the comic book elements and make it as real and grounded as possible. Now, that, now that's not bad, it's just different. And exactly. Reeves has more of a love for the source material. Nailed it. So I'm just going to let you take it from, from there because you just nailed it. That's exactly the point. I mean, in terms of references to, to prior work, I actually think Reeves is circling back to a little bit of the thematic ground he covered in War of the Planet of the Apes. Now, I wrote about this in my rapid reaction trailer breakdown on Observer.com, but before that last Apes movie came out, Reeves said his goal was to push this movie into the realm of the mythic, and that he was interested in exploring how Caesar became a seminal figure in history. Similarly, I think you're seeing here with the Batman, it is a character that is at the beginning of a journey that will turn him eventually into a dark contemporary urban legend. So it really seems cool that Reeves is interested in the idea of creating a legacy and with a trilogy planned, having the space to do so and starting at this early juncture 
in that journey that's not quite an origin story and yet not quite the Batman we know. And it's certainly a stark departure from the seasoned, grizzled, 20-year Batman that was Ben Affleck. So we are kind of getting elements of new and elements of the timeline that we haven't really touched on before. And that's important because that's why I brought up Bat- Batman Begins in the sense that this Batman Begins was about the beginning of Bruce Wayne, whereas the Batman looks like it's the beginning of Gotham and all that inherit, in, uh, inherit, inherit, inhabit. Sorry, it's been a few, it's been a long day and a few beers deep, folks. Good, man, as it should be. Uh, um, so, and that to me is exciting because, and I've told you this. I think the Joker is just as responsible for Batman's success as Batman himself. Batman's villains and the world that he lives in are just as big of a draw as the Dark Knight himself. Got a great rogues gallery. One of the best. The, the best. I would you could you could talk me into Spider-Man being in the conversation. But it's those two and there's everybody else. Yeah. So that to me is really what stands out is that we're, we're getting the story of not just, you know, the Batman and Reeves said that in his take, people are a- afraid of him. He's still sort of a myth. No one's really sure if he's real or not. So just the fact that we're getting a, a year two story of not just Batman, but of everyone in his world is as a fan, thrilling. Because you got to think that they're going to tell the story over the course of at least three films, right? Yeah. So we're going to get a fully fleshed out Batman tale on the live stream. Uh, and we haven't really got that yet because The Dark Knight Rises was not what the sequel to The Dark Knight was going to be had he not passed. Nolan had to adapt on the fly, changed his entire plans. For the first time now, we're going to be getting a fully fleshed out story. And that is just absolutely incredible. Now, Eric, this is going to come as a huge shock to you. But there are people in this world who don't share the same opinion. And I know that that is traumatic news that rocks you to the core. But there are probably people out there that are not as hyped on this trailer as we are. We are very excited. We love the footage. Reveal yourselves. Show yourselves. I dare you. If these people do exist and you had to guess, what do you think their main problem would be with this trailer? Is there one element you could see fans having a problem? Yes. Okay. So one is Robert Pattinson. And that would just because they live with their head up their asses. Uh, But that could be a reason why I could see. He does have a very sort of emo look to him. There's a lot Uh, of angst in this trailer. What? There's a lot of angst in this trailer. He's got like what appears to be like eye shadow. By the way, I like it. And the, the bangs. And he's, for a Bruce Wayne, he's definitely gaunt and thin. Uh, and then as I said, the suit, uh, while there's some things I like, I love the sort of his forearm things. And I love the Arkham Knight-esque chest plate. But the collar and the way that his eyes look are not great to me. Um, but other than that, what, oh, I mean, and then you could be a fucking racist and have a problem with, uh, Jeffrey Wright as Gordon, but I'll stomp on that one as well, because he is going to absolutely crush it. Phenomenal actor. Uh, phenomenal actor. 
he has always had that sort of wise dad vibe to him and applying that to Jim Gordon as Batman is starting out uh, is, is going to be great. So, but if I had to guess at what problems people would have, I'd say threefold Robert Pattinson, the suit and Jeffrey Wright as Gordon. I hope Jeffrey Wright's character in Boardwalk Empire, the heroin dealing 19, you know, prohibition era gangster is not the dad vibes that, that I, I have in the future, because that would be, that would be a tough failure for me. <laughs> I didn't even know he was on that show. I, I watched it in college and I only got to season three. So yes or no question, because then we're going to move into our- Oh, you be? No, no, no. Go, go ahead. What, what do you think would, would be the, uh, you know, the, the big drawback? If there's one element I think could be a big drawback, it's probably the same thing that some corners of the internet complained about with War for the Planet of the Apes. It was a little bit too psychological, a little bit too cerebral, and not really an action-packed conclusion to that blockbuster trilogy. I hope people don't expect, you know, the Batman to just be bang, bang, rah, rah, go get the bad guys, because clearly that's not what he's going for. And it's something a bit more internal and, and deals with trauma and tragedy. So now what's the one that came out before war, war for planet, not Dawn. I can't remember the title. <laughs> I do think that war war four is slow. I do think that it's, you know, uh, not exactly what I would hope to see when going to see that sort of film. Love so it. what? I loved it, man. Oh, really? Yeah. I mean, it's still good, but so I, I <laughs> My point is that you make a good point with, I could see that some fans might bring that up. We'll have to say, I mean, we're, we're overanalyzing the first snippet of footage. And as Matt Reeves said, there's still 75% of the film to continue production on. So it's fun to do it now, but yes or no question before we move on to Wonder Woman. Do you want to see Robert Pattinson's Batman lead a new Justice League movie down the line? No. Okay. No, 1,000% no. I think, as I just probably said in uh, a long, rambling way, what I'm hyped about this is that it's a standalone Batman story. I don't want to hear about Superman. And there's a space, uh, there is a space for that, and I enjoy that, but we got that once already. I am ready for a modern Batman take where the only concern is what's going on in his world. So no, I don't. I do think that he will be hinted at in the Flash in some way, shape, or form. But uh, no, I do not want to see him in any sort of team-up film. Please, God, no. I have a feeling Monday morning we're going to text each other and just do that as our next pod episode. That exact topic. Which? That we're just going to really dig into the pros and cons of Batman crossing over with DCEU. <laughs> Why do you think they're going to? I mean, I, I think eventually they're definitely going to. That would be see. That it's would be devastating. Much to be made. That would be devastating. All right, switching gears here to Wonder Woman 1984, highly anticipated sequel it was supposed to come out in June. Obviously, has been delayed because of the coronavirus pandemic. Till Becky saw ghost. Diana, look at you. It's like not one day has passed. I don't want to be like anyone. I want to be an apex predator. You've always had everything, while people like me have had nothing. 
Well, that's my turn. Patty Jenkins, the director, and the cast debuted a second full-length trailer for the film. What was your immediate gut reaction to the new footage we saw? Because it, it showed a lot of different elements we didn't get in the first trailer. So for me, really, the only thing that I cared about seeing was Cheetah, because I knew that that was going to be the big reveal. Uh, the first trailer, as you brought up, is phenomenal. Um, I've watched it a few times in the last week or so, just for the soundtrack alone. That like 80s synth, like, da -na -na -na, you really? know, amazing. This trailer, I actually don't think is as good. I probably need to, to go back and rewatch. But short of it being a dumpster fire, there was nothing that this trailer could have done to like tone down my hype. As you pointed out on a past pod, from everything we've seen so far, this one looks better than the first one. Uh, it, it looks more fun, which is what the first one did very well. We talked about that boat scene, that sex scene, how it, how it balanced being funny without being corny. Chris Pine and Gal Gadot have the best chemistry of any superhero couple. Now that said, they still haven't told us or showed us how Chris Pine comes back. And that's still a big red, red flag for me. But outside of that, the trailer itself, I didn't think they showed us that much new stuff outside of Cheetah, right? Or... Well, a lot of the interplay between Diana and Steve Tre Trevor we hadn't seen before. We got a lot more of Pedro Pascal's Maxwell Lord, who's the antagonist of the film. He's just the best, man. He's great in everything. And I think overall, I agree with you. I wasn't blown away by this trailer. I thought the action looks absolutely thrilling. Yeah, her riding the fucking lightning? Yeah, I mean, that's just that's just plain cool. I thought the, the colorful kind of vibrant spirit of it was, was great. I actually thought the first trailer was really funny and I didn't love the humor beats in this one, but overall I'm really excited. I think, like you said, nothing was gonna decrease our excitement levels. Wonder Woman fans are locked and loaded for the sequel. The one thing I think is the biggest problem is probably Cheetah's look, the uh, villain that Kristen Wiig is playing. I mean, that's was always gonna be a hard CGI sell. It, it looks a little, Cats-esque to me. What were you thinking about that whole- Well, B, I think that you and I are on the outs on, on this one because from what I've seen online, the response seems to be not that bad. Yeah, I've seen that as well, but I just, it looks just a little- Now don't sleep on, on the fact that they only showed her quickly and it was only in like the dark, you know, the, uh, the screenshot that I sent you, I had to go in and like, turn up the light because it was such a dark scene that you could barely see her but like for me i mean short of it being like you know offensively bad i sort of expected it to not be the best thing on earth uh so that's okay for me as long as they continue to harp on what works best uh which it looks like they're doing uh which is gail godot and pines utter chemistry or uh, Diana's, you know, sort of undying spirit, as long as they continue to hammer those. And then as you said, the action scenes look great. I'm hyped. I think that this will probably wind up being a top five DCEU film so far, for sure. How many have there been so far? What, six? I seven? would guess maybe seven or eight, if I had to guess. Given that we're doing a DC fandom deep dive, maybe we should know that off the top well, of our head. Well, think about it. We've done four pods. To my dojo. We, 
we've done five pods and one of those pods included four films. So that's nine. That's true. Yeah. We're killing it. Look at that big brain right there. That's called math, people. Google it. Well, congratulations here on the podcast, <laughs> folks. Now, obviously, Kristen Wiig as Cheetah, this was our best look at her so far. It does seem like in the movie, they're kind of holding back her final transformation until maybe the third act, which I think is a good call, yep. all considered. The rumors at the time of casting, just the rumors, I can't say for sure if these are true or not, but that Emma Stone passed on the role. Would you have liked to seen her as the big bad in Wonder Woman 2? No, because she's the type that I would like to see take on a bigger role. Uh, you know, she's a- Like that woman? Yes. See, this is why I keep you around, Brandon. That's what I, from I'm now so on, better. that's how you shoot. You know what that's from? <laughs> I do. Bad that's boys from too. Halfway too. Yeah. <laughs> Don't yeah, call. I'll you at the quote game anytime, anywhere, Eric Italiano. That might have to be the next pod too. We right. just drink beers and we challenge so, each other. Uh, no, I think that wig is good for this role, especially how inherently odd and funny a human cheetah is. Yeah, I think wig's going to be a good job in surprising folks with her performance. I am curious. So Batman now, sorry. I am curious, the DC now has three huge live action versions of Batman. The first trailer for Matt Reeves and Robert Pattinson's movie looked great. Obviously the news about Michael Keaton and Ben Affleck whipped all of film Twitter into a tizzy. People still use the word tizzy, right? Somewhere, maybe, but not, but not around these parts, Grandpa. I'm bringing it back, <laughs> I'm bringing it back. Post-credit pod, we're trendsetters. So there's so much excitement around that corner of the DCEU. Is Wonder Woman still a top-tier elite DC character? Or has she been pushed to the sideline a little bit by all this bombshell news lately? I think outside of Batman, which we have, which is still a year plus from being out, she's the king right now. She is their ace in the hole. She's their home run. She's their only guaranteed thing at this point. Like you and I are assuming that this is going to be a good film. Yeah. And have we ever said that about the DCEU ever? <laughs> That's a fair assessment. I mean, and even though this trailer might have been a slight step back from the first one, this still looks like a solid movie that I cannot wait to see. And then I think maybe arriving in October after Tenet has kind of, I don't know, maybe normalized going back to theaters a little bit. I think, you know, Wonder Woman's going to crush at the box office if enough locations are open and all that yeah. is settled. And the first one put up more than 800 million, more than 400 million domestically alone. So this is a real ace in the hole blue trip prospect for DC, for Warner Brothers. And I don't think really she's lost any hierarchical footing just because there's been big news surrounding her. I still think Gal Gadot and her interpretation of this character is a huge draw. And I think there's a reason why, beyond the fact that Wonder Woman's part of the holy trinity of uh, DC characters, that Gal Gadot is featured so prominently in the Snyder Cut trailer and in the Snyder Cut promo images. They know what they've got here. Now, just to tie a bow on this, B, if it does come out when it's set, which is currently October 2nd, <clears throat> are you going to see it? I'm going to see if cases spike in the month of uh, Tenant's release, because I don't think I'm going to go see Tenant as much as I want to go see it. 
And if it is trending in the wrong direction, I probably won't go. If it's trending in the right direction, I probably will. And I'll mask up and have a face shield and gloves because I am scared to death, my friend. Uh, yeah. So I'm kind of on the same page. Tenant is something I would love to see, but I'm not going to go out of my way to do so. This, I would. I would. So. Take that for what you will. Yep. So the Wonder Woman is kind of defined by her earnestness, her optimism, her sweet innocence. But now switching gears completely, the Suicide Squad's probably on the complete opposite end of the spectrum as James Gunn's DC debut. It is the worst title ever because it's just so confusing with Suicide Squad from 2016. But because DC is kind of rolling out this multiverse and crossover continuities, are you more on board with the idea that James Gunn is doing a soft reboot of the Suicide Squad franchise with this one? So this, of all the things that they talk, talked about today, was probably the one that I was least pumped for. You or... I'm very pumped for it because I think James Gunn's going to deliver. Uh, well, no, no, no. I'm not. I'm. I'm not saying the 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 film itself, but the least pumped to hear news about. I I didn't really much. We got all of the flash news in the prior few weeks leading up to DC fandom, so I don't think anything today was too groundbreaking. Whereas this so, was our first look and everything, right. so this is more exciting for me. So, the bar for this franchise is set so low that regardless of what they showed us it was going to seem like oh that seems kind of good because the last time that we saw the suicide squad it was what i think is probably the dc eu's top two worst films uh, and if there's and as they said if there is somebody out there who is uh well equipped to bring this film to life it is james gunn so we couldn't really tell from the behind the scenes footage that we saw. I mean, it looks gonzo, it looks fun, but are you at all worried that this is going to be decent? Well, no, 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 hold on. Let, 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 let me ask you for once. I, I think what uh, popped up to me the most was the change in tone. David Ayer set out, as he has said on his own, to make a dark, gritty sort of take on it. James Gunn's take couldn't be further from that. So are you more pumped for a sort of lighter, not slapstick take, but embracing the weirdness of them? Like I've, I've said on Twitter a million times that I think David Ayer's first trailer for Suicide Squad before the studio kind of wrestled back control and took over marketing for a more splashy, colorful, kind of gonzo, vibrant tone. I thought that first serious scary, eerie, unsettling trailer was phenomenal. And that was the movie I really wanted to see. And I still think Suicide Squad could have been a good movie given the circumstances. Uh, I think James Gunn's gonna crush it. I think I'm gonna love this movie, but you know, pound for pound, the, the darker, more psychological and off-putting material is always gonna attract me more than the comedic, even though I'm sure that this film is Even with these sort of characters? Like that fascinates me, Brandon, because you're a very, you understand sort of like the way that films work and, and sort of like uh, the way to hit the well, right mark. That's why I keep you around, all the compliments. <laughs> the way to sort of hit your mark in terms of genre. So I feel like when it comes to Suicide Squad, they are an inherently bizarre 
comedic-esque team. So I, I'm shocked to hear that you're not as pumped for this sort of take. I'm excited, but I think you can balance humor with drama. I don't think they're mutually exclusive. And I do think you can thread the needle between a, a darker vibe with entertaining bits. I think the animated DC universe has done that really well in movies like uh, Suicide Squad, Hell to, Play, Hell to Pay, and the Assault on Arkham movies. I think those do a really good job of kind of balancing a little bit of what David Ayer was going for. Something off kilter and a bit unsettling, yet still light and breezy and deft on its feet in moments. Now, how much do you think that they're gonna bridge the gap between the two films? Like a, a quick line or two, or do you think it's gonna be a part of the plot per se? Or? Minimally, I think. Okay. I think they'll probably acknowledge it. Like Harley Quinn will say something like, remember that last time we got together? Right, yes, exactly, exactly. Okay, cool. So do you want this to be DC's Guardians of the Galaxy? (laughs) Or do you want this to kind of stand on its own? Does it look and feel different to you? Or are we going to- I think I, I, and this is a very bad take for a podcast. I don't know. They didn't show us enough. It was all- behind the scenes sort of footage. It wasn't like a trailer or a teaser. So we couldn't get a real sense of the film. We, we just got more of a sense of who's involved and who they're playing. Um, I think what's promising is the fact that Warner Bros has seemed to learn to get out of the way and let James Gunn do his thing. And if that's what they do, then this will inherently be good. I don't think that James Gunn is capable of a bad comic book film uh guardians to me is the mcu's best film um you've been preaching that one since 2014 which i respect i i mean i think infinity war gives it a a you know a good fight but in terms of like a contained film that is by far its best and not just that i I think it's one of the best sci-fi films of the last 20 years so I have math, I have massive faith in Gunn. One thing I really liked about Ant-Man and the Wasp in relation to Infinity War, which you brought up, is that it felt refreshingly small after what was just the biggest comic book movie to ever hit big screens ever. Mm-hmm. And it was a nice little change of pace, a nice little palate cleanser before we wrapped it all up in Avengers Endgame, which set the bar even higher. I'm wondering if to some fans, the Suicide Squad might now feel a little small in comparison to what's going on in the universe. They're introducing the multiverse, which opens up all sorts of crazy blockbuster crossover possibilities. Ben Affleck's coming back, which surprised everyone and was something that most people didn't think would ever happen. Michael Keaton's coming back. Dwayne Johnson, the biggest movie star on the planet, is joining the franchise. Do you think the Suicide Squad's comparatively small stakes will be good for the series and a good palate cleanser? Or do you think some fans might feel a little deflated or like, you know, that didn't match the hype of everything else going on? That's a great question. I think that for me, as I said, Suicide Squad is not meant to be your A-team. Yep. They are- as Great you, point. <laughs> yeah, they are meant to be, as you just put it, a palate cleanse, something different, something bizarre. You know, you go out, have you ever had a sour beer? No. 
They're horrible. Absolutely horrible. Heard it here first, folks. But once in a while, it's a nice change of pace. It throws you off your balance. That's what this is. They have a guy called the Polka Dot Man who runs around wearing polka dots. Like, the only way for this film to be good is to understand what it is and to be very self-contained. You possibly cannot overlap the hyper-seriousness of Batman or the, the godliness of Superman with these sort of, you know, characters. You just can't do it. Uh, so I think that the way that it looks in terms of being on its own is probably its best route. Yeah, sometimes when you go to, I don't know, the ballpark, you're going to see a game, Sometimes you want to get a hot dog. Sometimes you want to get a burger. Sometimes you feel like a, a pretzel. You know, we're going left field, not a traditional type of thing. That's what I like about the vibe that James Gunn is cultivating with the Suicide Squad. And I think it's further improved by the fact that it's an R-rated movie. So clearly he has more leeway to embrace his inner weirdness than he did at Marvel, which while Guardians of the Galaxy is clearly a stark departure from the typical tone and vibe of your average MCU flick, it is still a popcorn, family-friendly PG-13 movie with a little bit of edge. This, you know, you're taking the muzzle off. And for anyone who's seen Super or James Gunn's other R-rated movies, you know this guy can get weird real quick. In a good way. I'm here for it, by the way. And that is exactly what this film needs. So, great. What do you feel about Deadshot, Will Smith not returning? Because I feel like that was a huge loss. That well, at, over the top. Right. So as reports were, they were going to have Idris Elba just take that role. But they decided to create a new role for him with the, the hopes that Will Smith might one day come back. So if this film is a hit, they will obviously let Gunn run it back. Uh, and if that's the case, and Will Smith, who I contend hasn't made a good film in about 10 years. Uh, when did Concussion come out? That was solid. 2015. I mean, it was okay, but like we're talking about a guy who was the movie star. Yeah, but he's also over 50. I mean, I don't expect him to stay on top forever. But... I guess the point is I've been very let down by his last 10, 10 years. And Deadshot was a chance for him to be a bad guy, which we don't see. He shaved his head, all sweet. So I think that there is a chance that that he could come back and that would be great. You could conceivably make the case that Will Smith hasn't appeared in a full-fledged good movie. Since 2008. Yeah, or or some, there are many has its defenders. I'm not not one of them, but- Which one, Brandon? Men in Black 3 has some defenders. Oh, me. I'm not a big Men in Black fan. Hancock in 2008, Divisive, I liked it. I Am Legend, 2007, I actually wasn't a huge fan. So I could see, yeah, I mean, it's definitely been a long time since he was Big Willie, but he's still Big Willie, baby. Yep, always and forever. (laughs) All right, right. next, Black Adam, baby, let's do it. Dwayne Johnson has been linked to this role since friggin' mid-2000s. Every film nerd with an internet connection since like 2007 has been banging on about now, see, this. Now, really? Is that, is that the case? 2007? Officially cast in 2014. But I remember being in like freshman year of high school going on 
you know, movie website message boards being like, I can't wait for Dwayne Johnson to be Black Adam. <laughs> Do you think based on the concepts and the way they're selling the film that it's going to be worth the wait? Yes, man. I mean, look, The Rock is, as you said, he is the biggest star on the planet. Um, he also beat up any other star on the planet. And, which is and cool. I wrote in my blog a few months back that the biggest genre and the biggest star are finally going to cross paths. And that's a big deal. That is a big, big deal. Now, it's, he's going to be pushing 50 uh, by the time this film comes out. So they better get, get them in now. But as you put out in a tweet, and as you and I like to talk about The Rock, his benchmark sort of is, will this film make $1 billion? And I think that there's a chance, especially since he revealed that it's going to include... Adam Smasher, yeah. Hawkman, Cyclone, and one more. That, that's a deeper cut than uh, my pay grade. Hold on. Let me go to our Twitter real quick because I know I tweeted it. Point being is it's going to be – there's going to be a lot of heroes in this one film. It looks like it's shaping up to be a big deal. So I think that it is going to be worth the wait. It's going to be worth the hype. hype. Uh, and, you know, our boy The Rock, if there was a single – character who was tailored for him it's this i like what you said the biggest star and the biggest genre in hollywood finally crossing paths that is a beautiful summation of what this is it is also a, a huge property to diehard comic fans maybe not so much the mainstream but diehard comic fans that that also marks it as a big deal i think if aquaman can make a, a billion dollars Dwayne Johnson, Black Adam should be able to cross that mark as well. That's just my gut feeling, especially if it's any good, which it seems the way they're selling it as this kind of mix of ancient Egyptian history and contemporary Black Adam reawakening. That's a really cool uh, half sword and sandals, half modern superhero epic. Oh, great. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I'm, I'm interested in this fact since we are talking about the biggest star meeting the biggest genre does the dceu need dwayne johnson does dwayne johnson need the dceu or none of the above again my man great question you've got a talent for this sir uh i'm gonna go with none because the rock doesn't need anybody the rock is a franchise unto himself you go not to see the film you go to see the rock uh, but that said, it was only a matter of time until he put on some sort of cape. Uh, yes. This was bound to come someday. So I just think it's the perfect, the perfect cross of, as we've said, the biggest genre and the biggest star at the perfect time with the perfect character. Everything we've gotten so far in regards to this film looks and sounds great. Yeah, I don't think either are in desperate need of each other. But if I had to pick, at least if I had to say, I would say that DCEU is benefiting more than necessarily The Rock. Now, DC Films doesn't need a complete rehabilitation post-Justice League. They're already pretty well on the recovery road. I mean, Joker made over a billion and was nominated for a ton of Oscars. Aquaman made over a billion. Wonder Woman's going to threaten that mark. Shazam launched successfully. So they have more or less righted the ship. 
But I do think with the announcement of the multiverse and all the Batmen, I do think with the inclusion of Robert Pattinson's Batman and that first trailer that looks phenomenal, and now Dwayne Johnson finally joining the DCEU, these are three big steps. That's a huge get. He is a huge get for them, just in terms of star power. You know what I mean? In just the last couple of years, the DCEU went from Warner Brothers' most distressed and anxiety-ridden franchise property to its most reliable blockbuster bankable series. And now actually Fantastic Beasts has kind of switched places with it as the kind of controversial, is this going to work? Is this isn't major IP franchise? And so more or less this brand is rehabilitated. And I think introducing The Rock and Black Adam, it's just an exclamation point on what's already been a great last couple of years. Now, and let's tie tie a bow on this one. Tie that bow. The one reveal that we both thought was going to come sort of came but didn't. So B, why don't you delve in into that? For a number of reasons that Eric and I have discussed on this pod, go back, listen to our Man of Steel, go back, listen to our Justice League episodes. We thought there was a chance that Henry Cavill might be announced as returning in Black Adam as a supporting character. Now, they did not say that. In fact, Dwayne Johnson teased it pretty pretty upfront and obviously i do think that still could come from to fruition obviously it wasn't announced today the fact that henry cavill was there on screen definitely bodes well for a future reunion would you like to see superman in this film or do you think with adam smasher and hawkman and all the other people that we're going to see that it's already kind of stuffed to the brim right so uh well and now before that they revealed that all those guys were going to show up in the film, I was very down for seeing uh, the Man of Steel in this. But the fact that there's going to be four heroes in addition to The Rock and then to squeeze Superman into the plot, that seems like a lot. Now that said, the whole selling point of this film for years now has been, quote, the hierarchy of power in the DCEU is going to change. And as we've talked about, the only way that they do that is to involve soups. So he'll probably show up in the third act. It could be a cameo. He could come try to help save the day. Uh, I don't think he'll be a part of the main plot, but I think at this point it's a guarantee that he is in the film in some way, shape, or form. I agree that with the confirmation that we're going to see at least four other costumed heroes running around, perhaps fitting Superman in a serious supporting role that had a lot of screen time, might be a hat on a hat. I agree that probably what we're getting, maybe a, a cameo, maybe a post credit scene, something that teases the intersection of Superman and the kind of Black Adam Shazam world. And that might be a huge, huge, huge added value element in whatever the next film is, perhaps Shazam 2 that ties all of them together and really gets things cooking between some of the biggest stars. Now to conclude this whole massive DC fandom discussion, we obviously have to end on arguably the biggest news of the whole entire thing, given the years of online fan campaign to even make this a reality, and that is the Snyder Cut. It goes like this, the fourth, the fifth, the minor fall. Zack Snyder debuted the first ever trailer for his version 
of Justice League. I mean, this is huge for a number of reasons, but what's your immediate reaction, Eric? And then I want you to tell me the best thing you can say about this trailer and then the worst thing you can say about this trailer. So, B, as we talked about in a past pod, what I wanted to see most, less so than plot and costume and, uh, you know, all that was tone, vibes. The choice of color palette, the soundtrack that they use. Was it going to be consistent with what we got in Man of Steel and BVS? And in that sense, this gave me that. As we've talked about a ton do we expect this to be great? No. No, no, we don't. I mean, I as, much, as much as I want it to be, I, I don't think it's going to be great. But do I think it's going to be a fitting ending to the story that we were given and one that I particularly in Man of Steel love? And to me, that's yes. It seems like finally this is a uniform ending to what they began back in 2013. Um, Everything about it, finally you seem like you were transported back to the universe that we were, you know, uh, launched in. Whereas the Joss Whedon cut felt like it was from another franchise entirely. Uh, so the best thing that I could say, so then that leads me into the best thing that I could say, which is that they look to be doing right by Zack Snyder. They are letting him finish. It looked clean. It looked like he had full creative control. Um, and that's all I want. I wanted him to be able to finish his story. And that looks like what we are finally going to get. You, Brandon? Unsurprisingly, the trailer looked like an alternate version of everything we've already seen. Of course, there's going to be deleted footage. Of course, there's going to be a few new wrinkles in Zack Snyder's typical style. And of course, there's going to be things that we haven't seen before. But we know the story. We know the overarching beats of the major acts of this film. And we didn't really like it the first time. Hold on, Brandon. He said that he said that 75% 75% of this new of this is all new film. 75%. I, I will believe that when I see the full version. I, I understand that it's going to be coming out in four one-hour episodes as a mini-series on HBX, which mean, HBO Max, which means there will be additional footage and things we haven't seen. But at the core of that will still be the same narrative structure and story that we saw before. I I think it'll go into different directions and detours, but I didn't love the story the first time. I don't know if I'm gonna love the story the second time. Having said that, I do agree and like, after all the drama with the release, the Snyder Cut campaign, that we are seeing a vision come to completion. And if you are a fan of Zack Snyder's, this trailer gave you all of the typical Zack Snyder stylings that you could want. There is the darker color grade, There is the beautifully framed portraits of major characters, and there is superhero action in slow motion, which is always a crowd pleaser. So if you like those elements and you really enjoyed Man of Steel and Batman v Superman, you're probably going to have a hell of a time with Justice League. And for that, I say good on you. You deserve it. 
Pat, I, I, I have a few things pinned here that you just sort of brought, brought up that I just want to run through real quick that stood out the most to me. As I said at, at the top, tone. And as you, you said, totally different. New scenes. Again, totally different. Now, those new scenes, as I said to you, that scene with the flash was the scene that caught my eye the most where he saves that girl in like the street and the car is flipping behind him. Yeah. I I mean, I I know that she's a known person. I don't know who she is, but um, that look, that was the best scene in the trailer and it wasn't even remotely in the movie, which is incredible to me. Like it was, it was not only looked like thrilling, like a thrilling set piece, but a romantic scene as well. Dark side. I mean, look, that's cash money right there. You Did know what? GI? I, I, I need to see, see the full film, but I do think he looked fucking scary. He looks scary, but I'm not in love with the kind of. But just the fact that they have that much dark side stuff loaded in like the clip and, and he didn't show up at all, it's crazy to me. I mean, it's just fucking crazy. And now the biggest one, <laughs> the biggest one, and this is going to come out of left field. One of the worst parts of the 2017 film was Cyborg. Uh, all of his scenes were cringeworthy, clunky, didn't make sense. His scenes in this trailer fascinated me because they really sort of hammered home how he is not thrilled with his dad that he brought him back to life and turned him into this sort of freak. The scenes in this trailer where he seems to be watching his dad die and like struggling to move (laughs) were emotional to me. I was very intrigued because now I can see the full arc of what they were going for. In the first cut, it sort of seemed spliced in. We're like, why is Cyborg bitching? Where, like, <laughs> like, we don't know about his father. We don't care about this father and son story. Now I see the full arc of that. And him, like, uh, we don't know why he can't move, but him going through that and then sort of regretting that, yes, he's mad at his dad for what he did, but he's still his dad and he loves him and he doesn't want to see him die. That hits for me, dude. So... Uh, there's stuff in that, in that trailer, albeit out of context that I'm intrigued by for sure. I've said, obviously that I don't know if the story is going to be able to engage me after a failed first run, even though this is a different version. But what I will say is that, and I wrote about this on observer, the imagery and somber tone of this trailer suggests a much more haunting version of justice league than the kind of quippy-tastic theatrical version that we got. And I like that. And in what could be an extension of Batman v Superman's infamous nightmare sequence, and what could be, what is more of Snyder's original plan, we're seeing kind of the desolate wasteland with alien ships hovering over Earth. We're seeing a lot of dark side. And those are the teases first seen in Batman v Superman that I want to see paid off here. And that I'm probably most excited about when it comes 
to the Snyder Cut. That is an element that I'm hinging all of my hope on. The fact that we'll finally get answers to some of the biggest questions we had since 2016's movie. But you and I care about this a ton because we love superhero blockbusters. We love mainstream entertainment. That's why we started this podcast. Do people who aren't us, people outside the industry, people who aren't diehard fans, give a crap about the Snyder Cut at all? Well, B, uh, before I forget, I just want to delve into a quick point, and then I'll get, get into that, which I think is, yes, my roommate, who is not a film guy like us, but he's a Batman guy, he watched that, and he was like, yeah, dude, no shit, like, quote, yeah, dude, no shit, that's what happens when you don't make a new movie out of a movie. He was like, it looked like that was the franchise that I was watching. Uh, but what I want to ask you is, because this was a big uh, point online, is what did you think of the song choice? Hallelujah. Of course the song is iconic, and I think Leonard Cohen's version is great. It's a little slow for a, a Justice League trailer, but after multiple rewatches, I came around and was like, this is appropriately somber, and uplifting somber but uplifting sort of i would kind of say calmly haunted like i was saying before same i i dig it remorseful this man is looking back on something that's cohen cohen is part part of your tribe now he is i believe so oh shout out shout (laughs) out that's a that's a good one that's a good one we claim another good one yeah post credit pause new segment are they part of the tribe (laughs) <laughs> I think we might get some angry calls about that, but I'm down to do that as a member of the tribe. Seeing oh, this tri- so yes. Yeah. So, all right. So do I think that non-film fans care? Well, if you're a Batman fan, if you're a comic book fan, then I think, yes. I think if you engage in these films in any way, shape, or form, which is a lot of us, then you do care. Period. The end. All right. Then sticking with Batman for a second. How does the Snyder Cut, the originally intended vision of Zack Snyder, and Ben Affleck returning for a send-off in The Flash, how does that change his, potentially change his legacy as Batman? You take this one, B. I think I share the opinion of a lot of other people out there in that this is a proper goodbye to Ben Affleck's Batman, who was great in BVS. <laughs> wasn't so good in Justice League and was barely in Suicide Squad to the point that we can't really form an accurate opinion. So it felt like an unfinished product, like George Lazenby only getting one movie to do James Bond. So I'm glad that he gets a little bit more of a runway, a little bit more play in the character. And we can see, hopefully, what is a full arc for his iteration of this grizzled war veteran of a dark knight. Now, what I did... Uh, you know, find to be not odd, but very teasing is that he's probably in the trailer the least. That's an interesting observation. I didn't think about that. Yeah, he's probably in it the least, which makes me think one of two things. Does he have the least new scenes or does he have the most new scenes? (laughs) Or does he die in this movie? I could see Zack Snyder going that route. (laughs) If that was in his (laughs) I could absolutely see not only Snyder killing him, but in what was way back in the day originally intended to be a two-part Justice League series, killing him in the first movie. So let the second me, movie has more gravitas. Let me tell you right now, 
I would love that. That would be cool. And you could explain a million different ways with the multiverse why he's alive in the Flash. Or I would love that. I would absolutely love that. that now, if done right, I would, I would dig that as well. That now, would be one cool. thing I just want to touch on is I'm not stoked on, on it being a four-parter. As we talked about in our Snyder Cut pod, which you should all go and download, we expected this, though. For sure. For sure. Because then they could dominate a, a whole month, of course. But again, that corrupts the film because then, well, and then Zach did say that they're going to release it as a long film as well, which is good. But the fact that they're trying to make this about the dollar and not just give it to us in one part at the start. I thought you'd be happy to get more Zack Snyder footage, though. No, but it just reminds us that it was not about us. It's about them. (laughs) <laughs> you know oh, you're so sad like a whip puppy dog oh buddy but uh so yeah i mean i'm stoked on it on, on a scale of 10 i'd say for the batman i'm a 10 for wonder woman 84 i'm a nine for the flash i'm an eight for the suicide squad i'm at a seven for black adam i'm at an eight and then for the magical Snyder Cut, I'm at about a eight. I think I would bump up the Suicide Squad a little bit more, but across the board, that's a fair ranking, man. I think I agree with pretty much all those. So you're on an eight for this? Even you? I, the Snyder Cut? I thought that you'd be at like a six. As I've said before, I don't like the precedent that this sets, but now that it's coming and now that we've gotten a taste, and even though I don't think it looks that great, I am very curious. (laughs) My curiosity outweighs my hype levels. Does that make sense? It does. It does. I mean, and that is the DCEU in a nutshell. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's the perfect note to end on. That's the Brandon, hold on. Hold on. One more thing. Tell me. Do you bleed? (laughs) Oh, man. A lot of people are going to bleed in Justice League with Zack Snyder back behind the camera. I think that that may just be like our, like, send-off line now. At this point, I don't think we have a choice. <laughs> now they just need a Henry Cavill back so we can be like, do you bleed as both characters? Do you know how to shave your fake mustache? He doesn't, unfortunately. We know. All right, y'all. Uh, this was fantastic. I hope y'all enjoyed DC Fandom as much as we did. It was a long day. I don't know why it was so long. It's crazy to think that they had more stuff planned. Insane. Uh, but... What a day. Great day for fans. B, I will see you in a few days, pal. My name is Maximus Decimus Meridius.